The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Um, hi Karen, hi Christy, hyphen fucking Lee. Just to be absolutely clear, um, my job doesn't stop because I'm in quarantine, okay? We don't put the uh, the businesses into quarantine, so unfortunately that means I'm still doing my job. Um, it just means that I'm doing my job whilst being fed like a prisoner who's murdered someone and is in prison for life. Death row adjacent meals is what I will call them. Welcome to an episode after I don't even know how long, but Lord, it's been some time. This is the first episode back because I find myself in hotel quarantine and feel as though we definitely have a bit of time now to have a discussion um, and really get into the finer details surrounding the quarantine debacle that I'm currently in. So for those of you who are, oh, my laptop's just going wild here. For those of you, firstly, who've been messaging me saying, where is the podcast? Bring the podcast back. Love you the absolute most. Thank you for being a long time uh, listener and carer. Um, for those of you who are like, we're going into quarantine, Sam, I've seen on your socials that you're away and you're coming home. You'll have the time now. Um, hi, Karen. Hi, Christy. Hyphen fucking Lee. Just to be absolutely clear, um, my job doesn't stop because I'm in quarantine, okay? We don't put the uh, the businesses into quarantine. So unfortunately, that means I'm still doing my job. Um, it just means that I'm doing my job whilst being fed like a prisoner who's murdered someone and is in prison for life. Death row adjacent meals is what I will call them. So... I am still doing my job. Thank you, though, for your feedback, Karen and Susan and everyone else. Um, absolutely loving that. But um, I will, of course, have to be uh, still performing those duties. What I will tell you is this. Um, I thought that previously I had a short fuse or that at times things would get on my nerves and I would really respond in a certain way. Um you heighten that by putting me in a proverbial cage, really, a glass case of emotion, if you will, um, and we really just turn that up a notch, you know, turn that right up a gear. Uh, I'm not sure that anyone was quite ready for what's occurring here now. Uh, love waiting in lines, love queuing, love taking buses, love being yelled at, love being told what to do. Um, and we're just squeezing all those into just, you know, a very short period of time. Took us four hours to get off the plane and arrive here in our internment camp. Um, four hours for a hotel that's 20 minutes away. So that should indicate to you the level of bureaucracy involved in facilitating the hotel quarantine system here in New South Wales. Now, we'll caveat this and say the police department, the ADF, uh, and everyone sort of facilitating this whole process, I must admit it has been, um, you know, a good system, to be fair. They have, you know, pivoted. I imagine nobody signed up to just what is just really babysitting. And let me tell you, some of the people that I was on the plane with that were going through once we landed, oh, dear Lord, I'm not sure if they thought that they were Jennifer Lopez arriving and that all of the security was for their protection, um, but they really felt like they should be treated as some sort of royalty when in fact it's just like, shut the fuck up. I'm at least a citizen. You're just an imposter coming in um, for, you know, whatever false reason you've got to go. Some of them who were on my plane were actually arriving for um, some different TV shows. They were sworn to secrecy so they couldn't say it out loud. Um, no one's allowed to say it's really complex and contracts and et cetera, et cetera. Australia's got talent. Um, and so, uh, you know, those people really, some of them just felt like maybe it was their time to shine. 
um, as if they'd flown on a private plane because there wasn't many people on the plane when in fact you've um, flown in economy which should reflect the level of your talents um, and you will be staying in a room that is generously described as the size of my wardrobe. So um, good luck with that. Um, maybe bring the little attitude you've got here from, from way up here just down a little bit. Okay, just bring it way down um, because you're going to be sitting in a... Um, a box for 14 days, yeah, when you will inevitably then be voted out of the TV show 14 minutes in given the um, quality of what I'm seeing here. Anywho, so anyway, let's rewind. Let's go back in time, if you will. I have been uh, in the United States. I'm not going to do a recap since we did our last episode because I think my last episode was the Christmas special. So what's happened since then? A lot. Okay, Karen, I'm, you know, Follow me on Instagram, maybe. Although I don't really post on there either. Um, what's been happening a lot. So I had to go to America. Um, I was actually required to go to the US uh, in about, I want to say, the middle of last year. Obviously, COVID made it near impossible. And I thought, look, we'll wait it out. We were able to do that. Um, I was then supposed to go in January and things still weren't looking great. And so it's been a bit of a, um, uh, I guess, a, a game of, back and forth as to when is the best time to go. The emergence of the vaccine kind of changed things for me personally. Um, you know, the US has been vaccinating people at a rapid rate, whilst their numbers do obviously seem high in terms of cases per day, realistically across the enormous size of their population, it's actually not really that bad. And so I kind of felt like I'm not in a hugely high, um, you know, risk group given my age. Um, I was absolutely required for business. We've been putting off for, for over a year. And so it was just absolutely necessary. So I applied to the government. It was an extremely difficult process to get an exemption. I was turned, um, I was denied a couple of times until I was finally approved to provide all sorts of documentation. Let me tell you a story. I posted saying I was leaving the country actually. Um, and I got some comments. I posted something on TikTok, which, you know, I'm just massive on TikTok. That's an absolute joke. Um, and to be clear, people on TikTok are very sensitive. It's a real, like, I don't know what the generation's called, Gen Z, Gen, I don't know, too fucking young has a problem with everything. That seems to be the generation. Let me tell you a story. You literally can't move on that platform without them vilifying you for doing something you didn't even know was a thing you weren't supposed to do anymore. It's like a whole, there's like a whole new list of things that we're not allowed to do in the world in case you guys weren't aware. Um, anyway, we're in violation of them, or at least I am every moment of the day, apparently. So I left and all of a sudden it was just, I was getting slammed with the comments. People who were just, you know, my friend's father died and he couldn't get an exemption. You know, I couldn't attend a funeral. You know, actually what's funny is none of the comments are people who are like, oh, I've been, you know, wronged. It's always like my friend or a friend of my friend or Auntie Susan or fucking Karen or fucking Christy Hart. No one gives a shit, okay? It's never you, the person. It's like a tale of many fucking tales. You don't even know the people. You're just making it up and you're having a whinge. Most people have absolutely no idea of the actual circumstances. Let me tell you a story. On my flight out of Australia, I flew from Sydney, Delta Airways. Uh, there was 22 people on my plane to LA. Now, the plane seats over 300 pre-COVID. During, you know, with COVID regulations, it can fly 50. So that's how few people were allowed out of the country. But then on my return, there was only 20 people. So let's just put it all into context. Firstly, 
20 people, there were 30 extra seats on that plane, which means I didn't take the seat of some poor fucking family who can't get home. I didn't take it from some other person who is unable to get a flight because they'll be waiting for six months or a year and they're on a waiting list. And That's not what I was doing. Those people do exist. Some of those people, it's financial reasons. Some of those people, it's logistical reasons. Most people are from, you know, areas around the world where there is not a free availability of commercial flights like we have. Delta is flying three services a week into Sydney. So it's a very different story to the narrative that's being sold, let me tell you. But let me tell you, I was being absolutely served on TikTok. People were just fuming with the fact that I was leaving. Why do they care? I have no idea. I mean, they're like 13 or 14 year olds. Just, oh, my fury. Although there's a couple of like 50 plus Karens. Oh my Lord. And let me tell you, some of those Cheryls were pushing hard. They had the hard fringe straight across the front of the face, obviously box dye Crocs on, as you know. I'm not, can we make the Crocs joke anymore? Apparently they're trendy again. I can't even keep up, but she had the full box dye, the, the fringe across, you know, she's not posted any videos on TikTok. If she has, she's removed them and good for her, no doubt. And just leaving rancid comments, just fuming that I was given the exemption for critical business, you know, no concept of how the economy works, that we have to keep people employed, we have to continue doing business so that we can continue paying the fucking job seeker payments for you, sweetheart. The reason you got the double payments, Christy hyphen Lee, that's because of people like me paying the taxes, okay? Just as an FYI. Cheryl, I'm guessing you're on some benefits. I could be wrong, it's unlikely, okay, sweetheart? There is a reason you're able to get those benefits. It's Oh, my phone rang in the middle of all that, so we got cut off there, apologies, but we're back. Nothing's really changed here apart from the fact that people are still whinging. So like I said, TikTok, it's brutal out there. When I started on Instagram, you know, a long time ago, people got the humor. I feel like we weren't quite as PC as we are now, but wow, it's aggressive these days. Like people are really pissed. So anyway, it's it's a thrill. You should go to my page and have a read through the comments. It's truly wild. Um, so the application I obviously got through and I went over, I was over in the US for about a month and then I have come back and then I'm in quarantine now for two weeks. The coming, excuse me, the coming back process has been interesting to say the least. It is just a lot. So as I said, there's 20 people on the plane and 15 flight attendants. So there is no shortage of service, which is, you know, obviously great. Um, the flight was great. The flight was pretty normal. The idea of wearing the mask the whole way is a bit of a mind fuck, if I'm honest. The idea of wearing it for 14 hours, because you've got to wear it when you're sleeping. You've got to wear it like at all times. The only time you can take it off is when you're eating. Actually, on the way over, they were crazy about it, to be honest. I mean, I understand why they're being crazy. It's their jobs, and, and so they should be. It's to protect everyone. But it was they were being pretty crazy about the whole mask-growing situation. So I had to... Um, I was sleeping and the mask slipped because I'd sort of like loosened my ends. So I wasn't super tight while I was trying to sleep and my mask had slipped down off my nose and they woke me up to be like, it needs to be over your nose, sir. And I was like, that's really interesting. Um, now that you've woken me up, I won't be able to go back to sleep. So um, why don't you just smother me to death instead of waking me up? I feel like that would have been more effective as a process than prodding me to let me know that. Do you know what I mean? So why don't you now just go back to wherever the hell you came from and get me a triple anything and bring that back because I'm going to need to drink myself into oblivion for the now 11 hours I have remaining of this flight. And let me tell you, I'm out of, I'm out of uh, you know, practice. I haven't flown a 14-hour flight in some time. Here I am whinging about flights and people are grounded permanently. Why don't you go on TikTok and leave me a comment about it? Do you know what I mean? Just fuck off. But 
it was good to get over there, let me tell you. It was a weird vibe going through. Oh, that was the other thing I was being attacked about. Everyone was like, oh my God, yeah, weird flex. Like you're just showing off all of your money. Just like, I can't believe it. What is that accent? This is a new one. I just, I have no idea. Like I just film stuff. I give it to Adam. He turns it into a TikTok. We go from there. The intent isn't to be like, look, I have money. It was just a showcase. And I actually thought that it was a better thing for me because I was trying to avoid any sort of, bigger groups any like clear like you know any just like overwhelming areas where i feel like covid existed and i don't know why i really just felt like lax was one of those things or places and i just didn't want to go through that it feels like a, like high touch points you're landing you go through the customs line you're going downstairs waiting for the bags then you're waiting in a group of people then you know at the carousels you know how everyone loves to spread out at a carousel on oh, no, a wait everyone stands in one big lump like some big group of imbeciles who think that it's their last chance in life and that the bags going to bring their dignity down and their whole life's going to be saved New Newsflash, Cheryl, and your husband, Bill. Things ain't great. Stand back. Anyway, so I didn't want to do that at all. So I used a service over there called the Private Suite that I've used plenty of times in the past and love. It basically means that you land, you walk off the tarmac, and instead of turning right over the Aero Bridge into LAX, you go left down the um, down an elevator onto the tarmac into a private vehicle and get driven to a private facility where you then clear customs and security and all the rest of it privately. So you literally interact with one person in the car and one person at security, and then you're out. So I also, because you land so early into the US, um, it's about 6 a.m. the flight lands, you, you know, no hotels are ever available. So this is good. You can go, you can have a shower, whatever, put yourself together and then go into LA. So I did that. Oh my Lord, TikTok was fuming. They're just, you know, and it's just my favorite group of people. Like, yeah, what would you do that in Danny's money? Oh, like, what if it was my mom's money? You know what I mean? Rude, really. But I, the whole thing just, I'm not sure if you guys are on TikTok, but just beware. It is a nasty environment. I thought Twitter was bad. This is just a whole group and you don't even know what is good because then if you comment back, it just turns into a thread of attacks. It's just wild. They've got nothing else to do and they're just waiting. It's almost like Cheryl, Karen and Christy Lee got together and they designed a new platform where they could just literally live it up, you know? Anyway, it's, it's succeeded because it's doing quite well. So that's TikTok. Um, that's where I am. What was it like being back in the US? It really was quite good. I will say that. It was great to be back over there. Great to see sort of, you know, we've, we see a lot of press in Australia about the US, kind of like what it's like, how it's, you know, being going. And I feel like we've been painted a really bad picture. And for a long time, it was very bad, obviously. Their death rate and their COVID rate, et cetera, it was crazy. Um, and compliance to a lot of the CDC regulations, you know, I've certainly felt like there was none based on the articles I was reading, the news I was seeing. So to get over there and see it firsthand was quite nice. And I must admit it was, and I said this on Instagram, I think they're approaching it very much like they are, they're not scared of COVID. They're just aware of it. Whereas I feel like the way we're reacting in Australia is very much terrified of COVID. Like if it comes near us, we just, it'd be faster to kill yourself. Like it's just a lot the way that I feel like we're, our perception of the virus is when obviously the data doesn't indicate that it's horrific for the majority of the population, uh, you know, if you're not at risk. And so given the fact that it's not going anywhere and COVID isn't going to be, you know, disappearing anytime soon, it does feel like 
the way that their approach sort of is now is sort of superior to ours. Now, there's a lot of obviously contradictory things at the moment, right? And I just want to go on the record, if you will, and say that, you know, our vaccine rollout has obviously been extremely slow. However, I personally don't think that the Australian government's done this horrific job that everyone's painting it just purely because I feel like we took the gamble on the AstraZeneca vaccine given that we could produce it in Australia, which would have made things a lot faster and I'm guessing a lot easier logistically, not having to bring it in from the US, um, Pfizer, yeah, from the US and then refrigerate, etc. So that felt like the logical decision if you were, you know, making decisions. And it wasn't until obviously it got here and it started being administered that we found this blood clotting issue, which obviously isn't ideal, which is also what happened with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. I don't think to the same degree or I mean I have no idea about the specifics obviously you should read a you know real testimony about this of some description but I just think it's I don't think the federal government's done that terrible job they've obviously turned around now we're trying to get the Pfizer vaccine it's coming soon so like let's you know cross our fingers and hope but given they've vaccinated so many people over there it's sort of obviously the tide is turning to a certain extent I was obviously I left this week and so I just missed it but I think today as I'm recording this episode it's the first day that um, the CDC guidelines have come into effect in California where you don't need to wear a mask if you're fully vaccinated in basically any setting so it was really crazy just to see how the place was sort of operating you know they had adapted really great social distancing and all the restaurants was really strong like it was a lot of separation on tables you know if you were in a restaurant a lot of outdoor dining a lot of the restaurants that were on roadsides they'd taken over car parks to extend their dining so they could have similar numbers or more but just very spaced out you know every um you know waiter in the restaurants is wearing face shields and masks and everyone i felt like was very respectful of what the guidelines were i would say in a lot of situations more so than i've seen at times here in australia when masks were required you know it was very rare you saw anyone who was in an inside setting not wearing a mask and majority of the time in an outside setting doing the same even though the majority of people have been vaccinated so it was um it was interesting but yeah a lot of shields in between you know you and um, the next people at restaurants, you know, plastic shields and at counters and, you know, um, they were doing these things with in a lot of restaurants where you get your bill and it's just a, um, a receipt and there's a QR code, you scan that and pay it on your phone. So they'd implemented a lot of great things. Like they, I feel like they've moved very quick over there to get in the, you know, in the same sort of, um, they've adapted really quickly is what I'm trying to say. So it felt good to see that sort of happening and kind of, I guess, be a bit of an example of what will look like in Australia, like what does post-COVID world look like? And if that's what it looks like, it's not that bad. Like it's, it, it was kind of good. I didn't, um, I obviously wasn't in America sort of, I was there for work. And so I continued to do all my work as I had to, you know, office spaces aren't in operation, things like that. So my meetings, a lot of them were still virtual and whatnot. Those that I could have were in boardrooms that were super, super spaced out and meetings, etc. Um, but it was, it was good to be there. It was good to see sort of it all operating again. I was certainly not sort of, I guess, being the same way that I would have been pre-COVID. I wasn't going to all the same restaurants I would normally go to. I wasn't going out as much. I wasn't getting coffees out, et cetera. So when I first arrived, I stayed at the Waldorf Astoria for a few nights and I had to go out to an event in Palm Springs, which is part of why I needed to be there. Um, then I came back and actually went into a private house um, which was nice, which is up in Bel Air, so very spaced away from everyone else. Kitchen, you know, coffee machine, etc. So you could sort of very much 
be at home there um, and away from sort of the public. What's um, incredible about America, if you haven't sort of spent a lot of time there with Amazon and Amazon Prime, you can literally, you know, if you want groceries or anything, you can on your phone, Amazon Prime it, it can be at your door in a matter of hours, you know, and that extends right up until 11 p.m. at night. There's not like a 5 p.m. cutoff like here in Australia. It's literally, I need groceries, pick a window and it's, you know, in a few hours time, it's being dropped at your door, which is just wild um, and insanely helpful. But so that was great. So it meant that I didn't have to go to um, supermarkets. It meant that I didn't have to sort of go out to a lot of places where there could be larger groups of people. Um, but even when I was out, when I went to some restaurants, when I went out to some events and things like that, well, not events, I shouldn't say that, when I went out to business meetings, um, it was great to see how the precautions that were being taken, a lot of hand sanitizer around, et cetera. So that's good. I didn't contract COVID in the time that I was there. I'm in quarantine. I'm on day one. So who knows? But um, I had all the negative tests to leave the US and negative tests while I was there. So um, it would seem at this stage that I am not um, a carrier, thank the Lord. Um, and I did get the vaccine while I was over there. So, you know, if you're someone that wants to now attack me on social media for getting the vaccine, you can just unsubscribe. You can just fuck right off. I don't know why you're still here. I feel like we've had this conversation so many times before. I don't care for your opinion. I don't care for what you're saying. You're welcome to your own opinion on your own fucking platform. Don't bring it to mine. Thank you very fucking much. For me, and I had some people message me after I said on Instagram that I'd been vaccinated over there. I got the Pfizer vaccine, which was a three-week you know, disparity between the first uh, in, uh, vaccination and the second, which means I was able to get it while I was over there and complete. Um, the people who were talking about it, let's talk about this for a moment because a lot of people have had this discussion with me in my Instagram DMs. Um, I don't care if you don't want to get the vaccine. If you don't want to do it, that's absolutely your prerogative. I'm confident that enough of the population will get it, that that will become irrelevant, that you don't. What I don't like is people who don't get it and then you're allowed to, you know, if you want to say, I, it's, I'm just choosing not to get the vaccine, that's totally fine. What I don't appreciate is people who are thinking that there's some sort of egotistical, scientific narcissistic genius that knows all this information that we don't and we're stupid for getting the vaccine. That's what I can't fucking stand. Do not come at me with data that you've made up. Do not come at me with an Instagram account that you just came across because it's fucking bullshit, right? We've got data over here, the people who are getting the vaccine. We've got teams and teams of bodies around the world who've tested the vaccines. We've got the companies who developed the vaccines. We've got all the different layers of protection. I would argue this has got to be the most tested vaccine in the history of the world, given the pressure that was applied to it to make sure that it was okay to go out, et cetera, et cetera. I personally, for my own personal well-being, think that it has been tested to a sufficient level. I'm comfortable with it, and I was happy to take the vaccine. I'm not going to go out there and say to anyone, if you say to me, I don't want to have the vaccine, I don't, it's just not for me, that's your prerogative, good for you. You make the decisions about your own health. What I don't understand is people who then attack are based on supposition and false information as far as I'm aware. You're, you don't have science. You don't have anything to point to. If there was some huge caseload of deaths that were being hidden that you'd uncovered, if there was scientific rhetoric around, you know, or data suggesting that the vaccines were unsafe or caused X or caused Y, happy to review those. But for some reason, that isn't the argument that's being made. It's the same bullshit as always with these fucking losers. Don't come out and abuse people because you want to feel like you're all fucking mighty and powerful rolling around with your fucking Tesla and your Android mobile phone. I don't want to hear 
hear it from you. You don't have data, you don't have anything, and you've probably got a bad haircut. I don't want to look at you nor talk to you. If you don't wish to get the vaccine, I respect that you get to make the decision about your own health, but as do I. I don't need you to try and belittle me or try and tell me or anybody else that the decision that I have made is no good because I'm stupid, because I have a wealth of data to support my decision. You have a bad haircut average style at best, I'm guessing, and the ability to read articles on the internet written by subpar halfwits, if you will. Now, are all of them halfwits? Probably. I haven't seen anything to the contrary at this stage. If you'd like to provide that to me, I'm happy to read it because I'm very much open to that sort of stuff. But I just don't like it. You know, it's often like with the vegans and the cyclists. They need to ram it down your throat. I don't need a 15-page fucking diary about why I'm wrong. Now, I know some people who are vegans who just eat vegan food and they don't need to tell anyone about it. If asked, they'll tell you, I'm a vegan and we're going to dinner. I'm a vegan. That's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's the same way if someone said to me, we're going out to an Indian restaurant, so I don't fucking eat Indian food. I don't mind that you tell me that you're vegan in in the context of what's required. I don't need to hear about it if we're discussing, you know, the weather. But I just don't understand why there's this necessity for people who feel like they're on this attack constantly where they need to push their ideals on you. It's just absurd. It's just not for me. So that's my positioning on this whole vaccine debacle. You won't hear me being like, you're not getting vaccinated. Fine, then you don't care about human race and we're all going to die and... I'm going to say any of that. I'm confident enough people will get it that we'll be fine. And you know what I'm even more confident about? The fact that when they say to people, you can't go overseas without the vaccine, that all these moralistic, ethical bullshit artists are going to fold like the cheap chair that they are and go and get it because they want to go to Thailand for their $3 fucking bintang. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it's going to hold. I'm just not sure that the morals run that deep at the end of the day. It's all fine now while we're all trapped inside. But call me back when you want to go on your all-inclusive, all-expenses-paid $1,000 14-night fucking cruise to the bottom of the fucking sewage in Bali. Anyway, so I'm vaccinated is the moral of that story, which is even better because I just said I don't like people who rant about it, and that was just a good fucking five-minute rant about it. But anyway, it's my podcast. I can do what I want. Thanks, Cheryl. Um, so I got the vaccine. Um, had a great time over there. Absolutely loved it. Um, good to be able to be out of there. I am super appreciative to the Australian government and everyone involved for allowing me to go. I understand that that very much is a privilege and that not everyone has been given that privilege. And it very much was absolutely critical for my business and super important for me to go. So the fact they've allowed me to do that really has made a big impact for me. And so I'm very grateful for that grateful for the fact that they have these programs and processes in place. And I must say they, they were rapid fire. I was getting responses to applications very quickly. It's not slow. Um, it is considered and very quick. So very, very, very thankful for that. Um, back in Australia. So you land through people who want to know how it sort of works. You've got to get a negative COVID test leaving America, obviously. And then you fly out it's all very similar. Um, to be fair, I again used the private suite leaving LA, so I didn't go through LAX, but the plane was very similar. It, again, there was 20 people on the whole plane, so it was very, very quiet. A lot of them were in business. Um, you know, phenomenal service on board. They explained all the situations to you. They're very on top of the fact that you need to be wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and that's all fine. Got uh, landed, got off the plane pretty quick. You know, everyone's, I must say actually, the, when I landed in Melbourne, uh, maybe, 
I don't know, maybe six months ago. And it was just after there was, they'd opened up in Melbourne, right? It was, um, yeah, it's about five months ago, I think. Um, and it was the first time Melbourne was allowing people in or their, you know, outbreak had sort of ended in Queensland and said like, you're a green zone again or whatever they call them these days. Um, and I went, when we landed there, it was far more terrifying than what I encountered for the international arrival, landing into what was just a group of just people virtually in hazmat suits into this like side facility at the airport that I'd never seen before and being spoken to and treated the way that we were. That felt like I literally was some sort of highly infectious disease and I'd been pushed into some sort of government facility that you were never going to come out of ever again. That was weird vibes. This is pretty normal. You came out, you went through, you got into a line. And so basically every room, they can't mix um, different planes of people. So whatever space you're in, it can only be your flights in there. And then once you've fully cleared, then the next flight's brought in. So we were waiting in one area while the flight that had landed before us from America went through this process where you go into um, and you meet, uh, you get a temperature check and then you go and you have a conversation with the doctor where they ask you a series of questions. Um, they sort of explain to you the process, which I thought was quite good given you have no idea what you're in for um, and allowed, you know, you could ask them any questions. They sort of told you if you've got prescription meds that they can help you with that while you're in quarantine, obviously. Um, et cetera, et cetera. So then you leave them, then you go back through and then you go into the customs section. But again, every section, you have to wait for the entire flight before you to clear that entire space. So you can't go into customs or the customs room until everyone from the previous flight's gone. So we go into there, then you, uh, same thing, you line up, you see a customs officer, you're not using any of the digital screens anymore. It's all to with a person, hand your passport, whatever usual stuff, go through. Can't go into baggage hold until the previous flight's cleared. And that was taking quite a while because you then have to, um, wait for the plane ahead of them to get on the buses to go to the hotels. And so, again, it's just, it was quite backed up. So that took quite a while. You were standing around for quite long periods of time. What I did think was great was all the staff were very good at explaining like what's happening, why there's a delay, what's occurring and why you're there and how it's going to work. So you didn't kind of feel like, what are we actually doing here? Everyone just was pretty good. So that was great. Went through, got your bags. That was all pretty low stress. There was a big wait between getting into the room where you then wait to go on the buses. Then you go into that room and you sort of sit around and wait for a while and then you get assigned. Basically, you just get put on to, you get told which buses you're going on to and then when you get on the bus, they tell you which hotel you're in and where you're going to be staying. And then from the bus, you go to the, um, we came to the hotel. I'm staying at the Sheraton in the city. Um, so you come here. Then you go through another process where you go in basically, I guess you'd call it check-in, but you pretty much just go and fill out a written form. You know when you're any people, um, they hand the form over and then they hand you a, an envelope with just a number on it. You don't get a room key obviously because you won't be coming and going unfortunately. Um, they hand you that and then you go through another line and wait with the, for the police. Then you answer some questions for the police department, give them your room number. Then you go back through, get your bags, and then they get taken up. I must say, with I mean, up until that point, you don't touch your bags. Like you get them off the conveyor belt, but then the Australian Defence Force loads them onto the bus for you and gets them off the bus for you and, you know, puts them by the elevator for you. And I mean, it's it's all very, you know, it's all very well put together, if I'm honest. It's all very well um, and nicely done. They're all very kind, very happy to help the police and everyone is is, you know, overly... Um, happy to assist you in any way they can or answer questions that you need answered and things like that. So in that respect, it's, it's all very, very good. Um, so again, that whole process from, it took us about four and a bit hours to get from plane to hotel room. Um, it wasn't fast. 
Um, and the hotel's about 20 minutes from the airport. So yeah, that it wasn't that time. Um, came upstairs and then, yeah, we're in here. Then you get sort of all this different paperwork, explains what the situation is. What I will say is the most offensive part of the whole thing is that they're asking you to drink tap water. Sorry, absolutely not. I wouldn't drink water out of a tap in a hotel to save my life. Don't, I'm not sure about everyone else or if I'm just being a nightmare, but absolutely not. So um, you do get some bottles of water and then you apparently you get one bottle of water per meal, whether that be lunch or dinner a day. It, uh, yeah, I don't really know. But anyway, I, I don't actually think that I've... It, that, the food service part has not been great. They've forgotten quite a lot of stuff. Like in one package, you'll have this. In the other package, you won't have that. They'll forget cutlery. They'll forget this. It's a bit all over the place. Not that it matters. I'm not eating the food anyway. But um, yeah, a lot of stuff to read. You know, a nurse calls every day and checks in on your mental health and how you're this and how you're that and blah, 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 which I think would be great. Obviously, if you're someone susceptible to that, I'm fortunately not. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I'm very fortunate. I've got a great little room here in, um, at the Sheraton. I've got a balcony, so I've got fresh air, which I think will make all the difference. So I'm very, very lucky there. And a beautiful view over the park, which is quite nice. I know that some people haven't been quite so lucky with that and not being able to get fresh air. So I'm very, very fortunate about that uh, or for that, I should say. Um, but yeah, three meals a day, you get breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, look, the food's not I mean, it's hideous. I mean, I'm not going to eat it for the most part, but it's it's not terrible. I mean, I think I've seen some content before and I think they were really selling it to be terrible. You're not getting just like a standard sandwich. They're trying to fancy it up with like, it's like a panini, etc. you know, but it's a note from me. Um, Gordon Ramsay certainly hasn't been consulted on the menu, can confirm, but you can get Uber Eats and whatnot deliveries, which is great. They're pretty prompt in bringing it up as long as you don't order it in peak times when they're trying to obviously serve their other, you know, hotel people's food. Um, but yeah, that, look, it's day one, um, which may be why I'm sounding more jovial about the process. We could get to like day nine and I'm, you know, really not in a good place. And maybe me and the nurses are just, I'm just rocking in the corner and the nurse is just sort of saying to me, put down the box dye. You don't need the box. Could you imagine me just deciding to just go blonde in quarantine? I just order a little, little box dye from Woolworths online and just have a go at it. Oh, stunning. The content though. So, look, at this stage, it is what it is. Um, like I said, the food, <laughs> not for me. Um, I've So the first day was these sausages that look like maybe they hadn't been cooked. I can't be sure. Some sort of egg moment, um, some sort of baked beans, um, you know, with a, with a, a yogurt um, and, and some other bits. It, it's, it's kind of like the package of things you just don't want. You know, like a school camp, they hand you things like, I wouldn't have picked the yogurt. I don't drink orange juice. There's this hideous pastry that's been, you know, sitting out for six months at the local buffet and so no one ate it. So then they bought them en masse to supply to the hotel quarantine guests. But um, it's also, you know, that the plastic container and they've just put all everything in together, you know, and, and I'm not really about that. I know that's a bit sort of like ugh, snobby, but I, I don't love that it's just one pack. It's just oh, the sausages are in there. It's just the baked beans are in there. Just all like, oh, the big egg flippy things in there. Oh, I just, I don't know about that. Um, tomato sauce, you say no. Unfortunately, there's not not a sauce. Um, not sure what country we're in, but um, I don't know about you, but I, I haven't had a breakfast sort of with sausages, et cetera, et cetera, without tomato sauce in a while. Um, it just feels like basic standards, but that's all right. Um, I've ordered my own sauces. They're, they're on their way from Woolworths, which we very much appreciate. Um, yeah, so that's kind of... It. What did I have for lunch? Um, oh, then lunch yesterday I had Subway. Um, they tried to serve me some sort of hideous sandwich that I refused to eat. 
they called it. Sorry, I got another phone call. So that was a bit of a cutoff there. Apologies. God, this the production quality of this podcast, really. I can't imagine why we don't have um, more consistency. Anywho, um, they tried to say the sandwich that was like a chicken cheese one, the bread ratio is way off. You know, I can't stand at a sandwich when the ratio of bread to filling isn't bang on. Not hard to perfect, not that difficult to do. Throwing two bits of rocket on there, not going to cut the mustard, okay? Funnily, I should mention mustard. They tried to put that on there too. Enough? Absolutely not. Was it a seeded mustard? No, it wasn't, which it should have been. I don't want to redesign your menu, but if you ask, I'm happy to help. Do you know what I'm saying? I do know a sandwich and the ratio way off. I'm guessing they're trying to ram bread down your throat so that you're like filled up. It's a no from me. Breakfast this morning was um, cornflakes. Why bother? I could have just eaten the fucking cardboard box or bag that you brought the food in. But cardboard adjacent cornflakes um, without cutlery, which is great. How are you supposed to eat that just with your hands? Apparently, I think we just devolved into animals. Now they're being held in cages. Um, and then this donut that was like filled, like a filled, it was like an, an iced donut that had been filled with some sort of obnoxious cream on the inside. Oh, it was awful. Sorry, but all the food really feels to me as though it's the leftovers from some local cafe that's gone out of business. Do you know what I mean? Or it's like they troll the city's buffets and sort of go, oh, what wasn't eaten? It's for the homeless, we promise. And it's like, mm, is it? I don't don't know about that. Um and so, you know, like who's picking the weird pink sprinkle white icing filled donut? Like absolutely. And I'm just busy. That's disgusting. So it was that. And just a lot of side things. Like, you know, maybe some people would really enjoy it. I really don't know. It feels like economy adjacent, but like, you know, just, oh, absolutely not. I also just can't stand plastic cutlery. I don't, oh, I can't stand it. I just need regular cutlery in my life. Anyway. As I said, I can Uber eat. So I'm going to be having something fabulous for dinner. I think Japanese are one of my favorite restaurants here in Sydney. Um, a number of people have reached out, which has been great, who've offered to assist um, in bringing some things for me. What I will say is they're, they're apparently executing their um, RSA licenses. So you can't have too much alcohol delivered. You get one bottle of wine a day. It's 14 days of quarantine. At a bare minimum, it should be a sliding scale, maybe one bottle a day on day one. But on day 10, I should be able to have a whole case if I want to. Seems a bit ridiculous to me. Anyway, thus far, it's not been too bad. Of course, it's day one, which isn't great. Tomorrow I have a COVID test, so I'm really excited to see, um, you know, how far up my nose they can ran that stupid fucking, what are that's called, cotton bud adjacent nightmare because I'm terrified of that whole situation. Although I'm terrified of um, needles too. And we got through the vaccine. I tell you what, when I got the vaccine, it was kind of like doomsday adjacent because you go to this place and it was literally, you just put this address into the car that I was driving and you turn up and it's like a, a little league, like a big field, like kids are playing sports and soccer's happening. And there's this big facility, like a sports center. And you walk into just concrete floors, and just, you know, tin roof vibes. Like it's a big shed. And it's just like trestle tables and people just sitting there. And you just sort of walk up and it's just like, what's your name? And you're like, oh, Sam, you got, you got an ID in your hand of your own. It's just bang, straight in the side of your arm. You know, like, that's it. Get out of here. Like, they are just firing through and they are not messing around over there. They're getting through them, which is why they're doing millions a day. But, um, which I actually, 
in retrospect, I now think is better for me because had it been Australia, you know, I see people that are like lining up, sitting on the ground for hours, hoping to get the vaccine versus me just walking and like, bang, straight in your arm, like no care factor. Um, I feel like that was probably better because at least there was no anticipation because I really think I would have overreacted um, knowing me and needles. So we did that and got in the second one too. I reacted really badly to the second vaccine. Unfortunately, I was just so unbelievably sore all day. Like I felt like I had arthritis in every single bone of my body. Like it was so sore to move, which was a bit tough, but I just stayed home. It was fine. And the next day, perfect. Actually that night I was perfectly fine again. I could feel like I was getting back to normal. Next day it was like nothing had happened. So that's great. They'd warn you about all the side effects, which was good. But the first one I had no side effects literally at all. It was like nothing happened, which we love. Um, but yeah, so I'm back. That's a little roundup of America. I'm back here in Australia, in Sydney, waiting now to see what happens with these uh, COVID cases because heaven forbid it turns into something and I can't return home after this quarantine period. I'm going to be fuming. But yeah, we are back on the Literally Nobody Cares podcast, at least for the time being. I'm going to try and keep up some episodes while I'm trapped in purgatory. If you've got any questions, please let me know. Happy to answer them while I'm in here. Might do a Q&A on the old Instagram and answer some of those whilst I'm on here. It's all happening. We love that. Um, thank you as always for having a listen. Thank you for coming along on my little ride here. Um, if you've got any negative feedback, we've actually set up an email address. Um, so if you just type in fuck off at I don't care.com, you'll actually find phenomenal service. Okay. I'll just be a return. This email doesn't exist. Okay. What it should say is this is uh, a comment that no one cares for nor cares about. So please don't bother yourself. Okay. Again, shiny surfaces at home will do a lot for you. Is that the right haircut for you? Is that the color palette for you? You know, there's just a lot of questions that can be answered. Anyway, thank you for listening. Love you the absolute most. If there's any feedback, I don't care. If you've got any questions, though, I do care. So let me know. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up wherever. Um, and we're all over it. Thank you. Love you the absolute most. Pray for me, please. If you don't pray, do whatever you do, which could be have a drink. I don't know. Whatever your version is, do it for me. I'm going to need you.